The Lord be with you. It is great to welcome you. And I have just received a list of the countries where we're being listened to and watched on a regular basis. And I am continually amazed. And I, I want to especially welcome those of you from Saudi Arabia and from Kuwait. I was amazed at the number who are watching from that area. May the Lord bless you and open your eyes. I want to share um, tonight from 1 Samuel and chapter 30. Um, it, it is a story of David, and we know more about David probably than anybody else in the scripture. Uh, there are two entire books, the whole of 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, deal with David. Well, not exactly the whole, but really it's leading up to him. And um, we also know his heart, which is something we don't know about everybody in Scripture. But he also wrote a great number of the book of Psalms. And once we begin to read the Psalms, we get inside the heart and the head and the feelings of David. We know this man. We know him very well. And let me say, before we read the story, before I say what I'm going to say from the story, I want to give you just almost a one-liner as to what we know about the very foundation of David's life. David understood and lived in the covenant. That is, he understood that God, the God he, he knew is the one who had taken the initiative of love to be joined to David because he was part of the people of God, joined to him in covenant. The word covenant essentially means that a person gives their very selves to the, the covenant partner. It is not a contract. It's not if you do this, I'll do that. Covenant means I give you my very self. It means that all that I have is yours, yours is mine. We live, in fact, a mutual life where your history is bound up with my history. We are bound together. And it was bound together in blood because underneath all covenant terminology was the understanding that I'm keeping my word to you even if it kills me. And David understood that that exactly is what God had done. He had revealed himself as the covenant-making God. God gave himself away. The love of God reached into the very life of David and said, I am your God. I choose to give myself to you and you are my man, and we live together in covenant. And of course, I say again, it was even if that kills me, and for the Lord to keep his covenant word ultimately was in the cross of Jesus and the bloodshedding of Jesus. And so this is the background. David understood that there was more to David than himself. When he thought of David, he thought of himself in union with his covenant lover, God. 
Okay, that's the canvas. That's the man we're talking about. And hold that in mind. It's very important. Okay, from 1 Samuel chapter 30. And uh, it's, it's the story that is set in Israel about 3,000 years ago. And you are dealing here, I don't know what images come to mind, but we, we are dealing here with a very savage countryside. We're, we're dealing with uh, tribes, actually very much like the Middle East is now, except they didn't have the uh, weapons that they have now. But the Middle East essentially doesn't change, and it's very hard to even understand the, the the volatile nature and, and so you you have these little villages on the mountainsides and they're always <clears throat> under the watchful eye of what in those days they would call bandits or gangs uh, very much like the terrorists of today and, and uh, life was cheap it was a very savage place to live and so one of those places was called Ziklag and that was David's base at the time that's where he and the men with him they lived with their families and went out from there on their missions which we're not talking about I want to get to the heart of this but just to give you that background it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, they'd been away for three, four days, that the Amalekites, they were a savage group of, of gangsters, you could say. They had made a raid on Ziklag, and they'd overthrown it and burned it with fire, and they took captive the women and all who were in it, small and great, without killing anyone. They carried them off, that is, they herded them off like cattle, and went their way. When David and his men came to the city, behold, it was burned with fire. Their wives, their sons, their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted their voices and wept until there was no strength in them to weep. Moreover, add to that, if you think that's bad enough, add to that, David was greatly distressed because the people spoke of stoning him. A lynch mob was in the making. For all the people were embittered, each one because of his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. David had made, really, considering what a leader he was, he'd made a very foolish mistake bad decision. They had left their families in their base, Ziklag, without any real protection. He had taken with him the, the men who would normally be guarding the place. They, they were all gone, and now the families, the wives, the children, and any men that happened to be left behind, they, they were left there, sitting ducks, for these roaming tribal people to come and kidnap them, maybe kill them, burn and steal and so on. David had left them unprotected. I, I, I don't know why he had done that, and it's neither him nor there at this point in time, 
but while David was gone and they sat there helpless defenseless the Amalekites had come in and we read the story burned the whole place to the ground and kidnapped everybody and herded them off probably to sell them as slaves now David is returning from his mission along with his men men that they'd been together now for a very long time men they trusted each other they stood at each other's backs in other parts of that this area of scripture they're called the mighty men of David and here they come they are exhausted they've been away for days they come back they're victorious there's a sense of celebration among them but their talk is of home their talk is of their family and I wonder how my boy is doing and I wonder what my daughter is up to and they're anticipating the comfort of meeting their families again and to sit down to a meal and take a bath and rest and then there's the smell of smoke on the air and then as they top a hill and they look down at Ziklag there they see smoldering ruins and the smoke is still wisping up from houses that were now a shell a burned out shell of what they once were I mean can you get into their heads I, I think actually there are some peoples here um, around the world listening right now and you can get into their heads because these have been for all of us tumultuous years these last years and, and there is more than one listening who you woke up one morning and discovered that you'd lost everything and, and what would you do where do you turn your life has been changed forever you're standing looking at your ziklag and all you can smell is the burning smoke of the ashes of what once was your life. Yeah, it's hard with their physical state. They were in a state of exhaustion. And you know that they'd sort of at this point that accepted their exhaustion because they're going home and they're going home to rest and and but now they're exhausted and there's no home and and of course at this point in time as they're looking they don't know if they're going to find the bodies of their wives and children in the streets they they don't know that their, their mental emotional state it comes to do you know what i mean it comes to a point of breaking breaking point and, and the it's it's a paralysis the grief and, and a sense of hopelessness and, and uh, you're overwhelmed by what you're seeing and hearing that you paralyze and you you hard you do not know where to turn you are indeed a deer caught in the headlights and they began to weep that might sound strange to the ears of um, US side people uh, the men these big tough men would sit there and weep but uh, the Hebrew people they, they had no problem in weeping they had no problem letting their feelings out 
and so the sign of a great man was not sort of a John Wayne who just strides off into the sunset. A man could weep and express his emotions and still be counted as a strong man. And these fellows, they wept. And in that Middle Eastern area, when they weep, they lift up their voice. It's a cry. And the state there is they now come into the city and find, yes, everything is burned and gone and everything has been stolen, but there's no humans here. It means they took them captive. We've lost them to slavery. Overwhelmed. And they wept and they wept until it says there was no strength left in them. That they, They're like rag dolls of grief. Their pain is now too deep to express. They're exhausted mentally and emotionally. And then somebody says, whose fault was this? I mean, how on earth did this happen? How come we've, we've lost everything? Somebody's got to be to blame. And these men, and I, I grant you they were in a, a very deep pit mentally emotionally and physically but I, I still am amazed these men that they, they had lived and fought together shoulder to shoulder uh, but the men now look at David and say he's to blame is that they needed a scapegoat and they turned to their leader and he's to blame and of course in a sense he was but really this was no time for blaming yeah he was the one who failed to guard our city he's the one who 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 was to blame for having no persons there to look after our families and it grows and the murmur grows and then somebody says it's life for a life and somebody picks up a stone and it's a it's the lynch mob mentality and it's spreading like a prairie fire and when David realized the atmosphere and what's going on it says that David was greatly distressed that's an interesting word in the Bible uh, well in the Hebrew language I've told you many times that the Hebrew language is very um, visual. They, 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 some of their words have great uh, pictures behind them. And this is one of them. The word distress in the Hebrew language, uh, think of a narrow canyon. Uh, and you're, you're walking through the canyon and the sides of the canyon are here. And, and it's very, it's pressing in on you. But as you continue to walk, the, the path between the walls, it becomes narrower and narrower until your shoulders are touching either side. And you know that if you go on, you're going to be stuck there and unable to get out. That's the image behind the Hebrew word for distress. It, it means you're, you're touching both sides. Uh, you're, you are cramped in life. It means nowhere to turn. It means 
I'm so confined. It's like being bound in a jail. I tell you what it is. It's a mental, emotional claustrophobia. You can't, you're, you're going to start panicking any minute. You can't get out of here. Distress is our English word, but I like the pictures, quite honestly, a lot better. They, they tell, yeah, that's it. I can relate to those pictures. I know what distress is. Know where to turn. And this, says the scripture, was David as not only has he lost everything, his entire base has gone up in flames, not only lost his family to where, we don't know, but now those men that he trusted his life with, those men that would stand with him and stand behind him, they're picking up stones with that murmur going through them that's turning them into an ugly mob. And David, as I've said, is physically exhausted. That does play into it. But mentally, can you get inside David's mind? Mentally, it's like a zoo at feeding time. Every, he's hearing the voices of what they are saying, but also he's got his own voices going on inside of him because he knows the, the situation as it is and and I can only hear inside his head what if what if what if I had done if only I had done and then the condemning and they're condemning him and now he's condemning himself and, and he knows that the awful energy of rejection that he's feeling the guilt, the guilt, this is all my fault. It's my fault I should have, if only I had. The shame of it, the shame, he's a leader. And yet I, I should have known. And that spirals quickly to self-hatred. You know, when you sit beside you and tell you that you're stupid, you're an idiot, I mean, do you really think you've got a right to call yourself a leader? Do you believe that God has anointed you to be king? Good grief. And, and, and you, it, it, this terrible split inside of us when we talk to me and always with self-hate, despising. And you begin to feel the victim. That, that mentality of the victim, the, the poor me, uh, the self-pity, emotions. It's like a tsunami inside of David. The grief, the grief. I mean, what can he do except just slam his fist into his hand and say, dear God, what's happened? All of the joy, and he knew joy. Read the Psalms. All of his hope, all of his peace, it's, it's evaporated, it's gone. Now all he knows is despair, darkness, a, a, a tangible darkness. You could taste the darkness, despair, depression. He, he's moving into depression. He feels utterly abandoned. 
alone. That's a terrible feeling. Especially when the people you thought would be with you are the ones who are causing this terrible aloneness. And, and, and the fears, fears. He, he, he's beginning to cower before the situation. And he's always mixed with anger at those times. His confidence is gone. His boldness is gone. His clarity of thinking is gone. He sits there. I don't know what to do. He's wept himself dry. And now he's in a state of deep distress. What's happened to David? In a word... And please hear me, this is so important. David has forgotten who he is. Underline that in your mind. David has forgotten who he is. In that moment, he has lost, in the sense he's forgotten, his identity. Who is David? Get to the very core of David. What the Bible sometimes speaks of as your heart, your very soul. In the New Testament, it speaks of your inner man. I say, who is David? What is the identity of this man? He is a covenant Man, That's why I started with that. That's who David knew himself to be. He knew himself to be a covenant man, and a covenant man by sheer grace, by God's gift. He was a covenant man because God, who is love, had taken the initiative that the two be joined. That's who David is. Do you hear me? I'm talking about core identity. This man defines himself as one who is joined to the Lord, one spirit. And when all this happened that I've spoken of in the last minutes, he was so overwhelmed by the events and so overwhelmed by the loss and overwhelmed by what was happening to his men that he trusted, he forgot who he was. And suddenly he sees himself, he identifies himself with a false identity. He sits there as if he's David by himself. He sits there, and I use the word, abandoned, alone. A covenant person can never say that, for the covenant God has sworn by himself, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. But David is forgotten. I mean, just forgotten. And I have been there. I know what happened to David, at least in experience, to suddenly realize that in the last number of minutes or hours or whatever, you forgot who you were. 
But now let me underline something even more than what I just said. Because David had forgotten who he is does not alter the fact of who he is. I can forget my name. I can forget that I'm a human, I suppose. But it doesn't alter the fact that I am Malcolm and I am a human. Truth does not continually alter according to circumstances. Truth is unchangeable. Truth is the foundation that doesn't move. That's so important. Because I know if some of my friends got a hold of David right there, they would have him going to the altar to try and get saved again and rededicate his life for the 2,000th time because, you see, you've got to get back into being a covenant man. No! He is a covenant man, and if he's forgotten it in this moment, it doesn't alter that truth. He still is but he's a man who's forgotten who he is. Please take comfort from that, because I know some, when these kind of ziklag experiences take place and we momentarily, or by an hour or two or a day, we forget who we are, and we begin to act as if we're just humans, separated from all that's life and hope, Please understand it didn't alter the fact. Do, do not condemn yourself for forgetting. Rather, grace, what shall I say, grace happened, grace happened. I don't know how because the Bible doesn't say so. It, but I know by the results, there was a flicker of light in the darkness. And for some, it, it, it comes, in fact, for some, for most of us, it, it's just a little tiny flicker of light in this darkness that's pouring over us like, like a sewer from the pit. But then there's a light, just a flicker. Sometimes it comes just as a, an idea. Sometimes it comes just as a gentle urging but we begin to realize that all my logical conclusions about what I'm seeing is not the truth. It may be something that's true at the minute, but it's not the truth. And that flicker of light. See, he had focused all of his attention on the events that were happening. He's focused upon the people that are in the terrible mood they're in and he focuses on his own natural strength as to how do I handle this but this light the light of grace that comes into the darkness he begins and realizes he remembers who he is he remembers because of covenant he, David, is more than David. He is more than himself. Even as you are, in fact, you and I uh, know this in a far grander and greater way than David ever did because Jesus is the 
the, the one who brings about the new covenant. But he remembers. He remembers that the Lord is with him. And he remembers that the Lord is with him in his core person. The Lord is with him in his mind and emotions, even in his body. The one, see, covenant is the oneing. It, it is David, it is the Lord. But David would say many times in the Psalms, the Lord is my strength. The Lord is my strength. And so it's David's strength, but it's the Lord's strength. They're one. We who are covenant people through Jesus Christ, we are not defined by our circumstances. Our identity is not in the things that happen or have happened to us. Our identity is not in the opinion that people have of us. Our identity is on our core union with Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. You know, the, David wrote, um, well, we, we, we spent about, a, I don't know, how many weeks we spent on Psalm 23, some months ago. And in there, he, he said, well, one verse there, he says, he restores my soul and that word restore is a fascinating word the word restore means to turn and return to the point of departure that is the this picture sort of is you get off the track you get off the trail and, and to be restored it is that you are turned around to return to the point of departure where you came off the track. Go back to remembering who you are. Go back to your true identity, which is in your covenant relationship, which was the gift of the Lord himself. Go back. Look see who you really are I, I wish I could get a hold of you right now and, and make it known it's to you I speak but we we go around and we see ourselves and we talk about ourselves as other people define us as how it's been at work today we let that define us the, the tragedies and the traumas that happen and we say that's who I am and something happens to us uh, and we use that phrase so many times I am this I am that I am I am I am the only thing you can ever say after I am if you speak the truth of God is I am a man I am a woman in Christ Jesus and he is in me that's who I am there's more to Malcolm than you can see there's more to Malcolm than myself for I am one with Jesus for me to live is Christ that's what I'm trying to say and how do we do this how do we do it well underneath whatever we do is the Holy Spirit. Do you remember Jesus said, 
in that upper room speaking of this day in which we live as we would live in union with the Holy Spirit he said the Holy Spirit he shall bring all things to your remembrance and I've talked to you more than once about that word remembrance it's not uh, the desperate attempt of my mind to go back into the mist of the past and recreate it it is rather bringing that past into the present moment where it is relived and, and all the powers and energies of that event in the past are now released into this present moment and the Holy Spirit shall bring all things to your remembrance it is my prayer I don't know putting a figure on it but it laces through my life Holy Spirit Teach me who I am. Cause me to remember who I am in Christ. Restore my soul. Because we've been here. It's, it's realizing the truth. And, and declaring. It's, it's setting my feet down. Or as David said again in the Psalms. My heart is fixed. I put it down. And it comes out, finally, that David strengthened himself in the Lord. Strengthened himself. Strengthened himself. His very inner person. Himself. He strengthened himself. So he, David, strengthened himself but he did so it says in the Lord that his the strengthening of himself was his trust in the Lord trust in the truth of what the Lord said concerning him we get back to that word that we've been looking at a lot in the last few weeks and it's that word repent and some of you have been concerned that I have such hatred for that word repent. I don't have a hatred for the word repent in the language of the Bible, the Hebrew and the Greek. Uh, my hatred is what the word means in English, repent. You see, repent does not translate the Greek word or the Hebrew word. Re repent, the English word, essentially means do good works to get God's attention and to make him pleased with you and then it sticks the word re in front of it to make sure you do that over and over and over again and that's reflected in the most miserable times in some of our churches when people come forward to wail and cry and tell God they're wretched and worms and guilty and no good and they think that's repentance no that is the worst the most despicable form of religion the word as I've said many times in the last weeks it means to have a radical change of mind it is that I am now thinking God's thoughts with him I am thinking of myself as God thinks of myself. I am believing that I am truly joined with Jesus who is my life because that's what the Father believes. That's repentance. And so when David 
strengthens himself in his trust in the Lord the strength comes from the very thoughts of God concerning David and this situation his strengthening comes from the fact that God the Father believes in the covenant that he has made through the blood of Jesus Christ and I say amen I believe that too and whatever the events are saying and whatever my logic says and whatever my common sense says whatever my feelings say I believe that I am united with Christ and through Christ with the Father and that is now being ministered to me by the Holy Spirit does that make sense so the, the questions return you say before David would say what are they going to do to me what on earth are we going to do what well, what now it is what does God say what does God think what what what's God up to in this situation um, what 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 are God's thoughts about me in this situation and, and faith is joining in with God's thoughts and God's belief in what he is and has done concerning me in Christ I hope that makes sense because he says Lord Jesus says to you and to me I am your strength I am your wisdom I am your peace I am your hope you are in me and I am in you that is he Lord Jesus Christ is your identity for me to live is Christ I live yet not I it is Christ who lives in me when Christ who is your life shall appear and so on this strengthen himself well that that word strengthen it's another one of those Hebrew words it's got a picture behind it uh, I mean the abstract words would be that we uh, we bind ourselves to something and in binding we become firm we become fixed we are supported but the word was often used in the sense of construction it was in constructing buildings or walls or fences this word was used and so and I think you can see immediately how it was when when a building um, was firmed up where, when anything that was weak what was fixed um, it, it, it's when a fence is tottering over and is brought back up and it's firmed in its foundations and so David is saying that I have laid hold of I have joined in with God's truth concerning who I am in this covenant and, and, and thus being joined I am firmed I am strengthened with the very strength of God I've discovered my identity Paul, Paul prayed this in Ephesians in chapter 3 where he prayed for the Ephesian people and for you that we would be strengthened with all power 
through the Holy Spirit in our inner man. And remember who you are. This is this is who you are. Some of us have never really thought about this. I remember when I first left the shores of England to come over here, I was a young chap. I mean, yeah, you wouldn't recognize me, I'm sure. I was in my early 20s and I had a brush cut, if you remember those. Um, and I looked very young. And that is the picture that was put onto my green card, my right to be here. And um, I, I never changed it, never had need to. And it was many years later and I had been in Africa and I was coming back through New York City customs and immigration and there I had to show my card and the immigration official looked at that picture then he looked at me he looked back at the picture looked at me and he says you know this you've come a long way baby <laughs> um, yeah I was my identity that I carried with me no longer gave a true description of who I, I now was. And there are so many who are listening to me tonight. You have carried with you the identity of who you used to be outside of Christ who you used to be when the devil had blinded you that you were separated away from God. Hey, get a new ID and look at it twice a day. This is who you now are. This is the truth about you. This remembering who he was, really it took place in seconds minutes maybe remember that they are getting a, a lynch mob together to get rid of David and a mob once it gets going it, it, it's it's very it's like a prairie fire um, David is sitting there he has wept himself dry and strengthless and it's in those minutes, I, I, I'm hesitating to say minutes because of what was happening, but certainly it was not ours. It was not an hour. It was very quick, not a long process for him to remember who he is to remember his identity through the covenant as one with the Lord. Not a long process. And it wasn't a long process because, you see, the Lord had never left him. Remember what I said at the beginning there. Because he'd forgotten who he was, did not alter the truth of who he was. Because he had forgotten who he was did not mean that the Lord had walked off and left him. And so the Lord doesn't condemn him. 
The Lord does not stand beside him saying, Oh, David, if only you had done, if only you. Look at the mess you... No. No. Nor does he say, David, you've missed the perfect will of God and now you're in some permissive shambles. No, that's all religious, hideous nonsense. The Lord never left him did not alter who he is even though he's momentarily forgotten it <laughs> the lord didn't leave him it was the lord who reminded him who was the remembering power within him the lord wasn't absent to be found yeah we, we should really take that into account because there are phrases in some areas and there's what you know I know what people mean when they use them the trouble is some of those phrases that that seem to be so meaningless in many ways yet they can get into your head and they can totally twist away from truth what what's the phrase I'm thinking of people who say well I found the Lord and yeah, I know what you mean. I do. I really do. But let me assure you, he wasn't lost. You didn't have to find him. He found you. And you see that simple little phrase that seems so harmless, I found the Lord. It means he was absent. He was gone. He was lost. And you had to find him. But the truth is, he was never absent. He found you by opening your eyes. That's almost a sidebar, but it does apply here because I know when people go through this, they feel they've so blown the whole thing. They're now going to take weeks to get right with God. No. Holy Spirit, open our eyes and we realize that he has never left us. He has held us through this nightmare and it was we who forgot and therefore had all the responses of life to that forgetfulness. So it was while he was sitting there, while the tears were still wet on his cheeks, while the sobs were still coming out of his gut, and while the mob is getting angrier by the minute, in those seconds he remembers and he strengthens himself in the Lord. He trusts the truth. He says, yes, that's who I am. Amen. Be it unto me according to your word. There was a great exchange that took place. He exchanged the fear of circumstances and his fear of the people and the fear of the future for the fear of the Lord. The word fear means to stand in awe of. It, it actually can be used of worship. It, it, it means that you, you regard whatever it is that you fear, you regard it as greater than you and you believe in whatever its intentions are. And so the way we usually use the word fear is that something is going to destroy us, crush us. 
and so we fear it we believe in its power to hurt us because that's its intention the Bible speaks of the fear of the Lord it means that I stand in awe and wonder before the one whose intention it is to be joined with us in covenant and to protect us and provide for us and be our life so the fear of the Lord he had lived in fear of people now he returns to his true inner base his anchor the fear of the Lord and when you fear the Lord you fear nobody else and so this simple action opens the door in the midst of the darkness to the divine strength clarity of mind wisdom to come flowing in and his confidence returns for his confidence is, has never been in his own self it's been the confidence of the Lord the one who shares his life as one and that zoo of voices becomes the one voice the gentle voice the strong voice of the Lord who is his life isn't it amazing we're so slow to do this we who live under the better covenant when everything David enjoyed and had insight to in part we now enjoy and live there to the full yet we are so slow to live in our identity of living in Christ and Christ in us the things that happen to us have a hypnotic effect I remember when I was in some part of the jungles of Africa there's a snake there that is a master hypnotist I saw this little bird and it was chirping and dancing on a, on a limb and slithering through the underbrush there came this snake and it fixed its eyes it caught the eyes of the little bird and fixed its gaze and it, it hypnotized I saw that bird it stopped its chirping it stopped all movement it was caught it forgot its identity it forgot it had wings it forgot it was a bird it was mesmerized by the gaze of the snake and of course it stood there and allowed the snake to take it I thought about these things as I watch that because things happen and they mesmerize us we're caught in their hypnotic stare and we forget who we are we forget that we are winged with all the strength of the Holy Spirit have you noticed that unbelief it's an it's an energy and you get a few people together and they begin to speak their unbelief they begin to speak as if they're left alone abandoned in life and they're sharing their complaint and they're sharing their fears and they're sharing their terrors 
And that spreads like a terrible energy through a few people and beyond the few people it goes on like sucking you down into a Louisiana swamp. Uh, and, and you find yourself wallowing just like David in self-pity of the victim and you don't know what to do and you don't know where to turn. That's the oxygen of the flesh. The flesh, it's, it's the victim, it's, it's the self-pity, it's the one who's left, it's the, it lives on shame. Flesh finds its phony identity in being a victim. And, and, and it even in some circles, not all, but there are some persons uh, and they find their significance in their misery. They find their importance in their being a victim. And they, they will share their misery and their helplessness to willing ears so they can hear back the echo of their importance because they are in such a condition as they are. Oh, believer, never get near that swamp. Believer, never breathe that foul air. Rise up and through the darkness declare who you are in Christ. Know who you are in Christ. Return to see who you are in Christ. And of course the New Testament takes really everything I've said here under the umbrella of be filled with the Spirit and really brings it into focus there in 2 Corinthians 12 where it says, when I am weak, then I am strong. And Paul was so excited over that. It, it colors many of the letters that were written after that. He said, I found this secret. I, I found the secret. I found it. He said, when I am weak. See, I, I, I thought I had to pray against it. I, I, I thought that I had to fight this being weak. He said, no. His strength is made perfect in weakness. His strength shows up the best in weakness. As long as you know that's who you are. You are in yourself weak, but yourself in Christ, you are strong with the strength of the Holy Spirit. And as I say again, I guess it's, it really got me as I read it this time, just those few minutes in which David changed from being a man broken and in great distress to a man strengthened with God's strength. Because he now looks at the men that are ready to stone him and he's their leader again. Something happened to David's face. Something happened to his bodily presence his physical presence that strength of God that presence that is my true identity joined to him it it affects the way we look suddenly the men forgot to stone him they're ready to follow him amazing that you know all this is happening in minutes. 
there's something about the way he walks now his bearing he's a leader and yet David knows full well that the Lord is his strength the Lord is his leadership the Lord is and it's showing on his face what is it um, Psalm 140 is it 42 where, where it says that God is the victory of my countenance it certainly happened here and David knew exactly what to do he knew the mind of God why not because he and the Lord are one and, and he organizes the men and they go off and they follow the tracks of the camels of the Amalekites and they find their people and they release them all and the event just fades off into history but I trust that as it does it has left an imprint on your mind because believe me I know many persons have faced their ziklag in the last while and I know what it is to forget who you are forget your identity but by the grace of God I also know what it is that in the midst of that darkness to strengthen yourself in the Lord and to have the Holy Spirit endue you with power in your true self that you remember into your history who you really are well there it is and I trust it has been and will be a blessing in your life in this incoming week and now may the blessing the blessing of God who is almighty and unconditional love the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit his blessing now rest upon you impregnate your very being empower you that you might know with God's own knowing who you really are, your identity in Christ, and go and live that in His strength and His power. That's the way it is. So I bless you. So it is.